Well, my name is Ethan, if you don't know me already. Um, I'm not Pastor Byron. He'll be back next week, though, from his sabbatical. He's been resting. Y'all ready for him to come back? <laughs> Excited to have Pastor Byron back. Today, you get me. Uh, like I said, my name is Ethan, and I uh, am on staff here at Redemption as the Director of Operations. And you might be like, Ethan, what does that mean? And I'll let you know, I'm still trying to figure that out because we just make up titles here at Redemption Church. Uh, well, actually, that's every church. But um, really what I do and what, what I and my team do together is we work with like our general contractor and our architect because how many of you know that we have a new building that we just bought? It's super exciting. And so we got to go through a whole renovation process because it looks really bad right now. And it's going to look really good whenever we get done with it. So y'all be praying for me, be praying for my team because uh, God is doing something really cool. He's introducing us to some really good people. And, um, and I know that he has his hand over this new building because it was the vision to, to see more people get to meet Jesus here in Beaumont and the surrounding area. Amen. 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 Well, hey, uh, if you wouldn't mind, can we get right into it? Y'all good with that? Let's do this. Okay. Well, here's, here's the idea I want to bring up to you, is that history is full of people who were bold and stood up in the face of adversity. Their names get written down, or what they did got written down, or somebody told somebody about it. We see this all throughout history. And, and in particular, this book right here, the Bible, there are so many people in this book who were bold enough to take a risk no matter what the consequences may be. The people that I'm talking about um, and thinking about today refuse to take the easy way out. Anybody know about the easy way out? Don't lie, y'all know about the easy way out. Everybody takes the easy way out. You could have gotten up on your first alarm this morning. But you didn't. You hit the snooze button. Why? Took the easy way out. You know, like for, for me, with my wife, she loves that the shoes go in the closet whenever we're done for the day. Not me. <laughs> I'll pick up my shoes off the living room floor. I'll walk right to our bedroom. The closet's over here. And I just go straight for underneath the bed. And I put them right there. Why? Because I'm taking the easy way out. Y'all pray for us. We don't, we don't ever, that's never a fight in our house or anything. I'm very hard to live with. Um, yeah, it's taking the easy way out. I mean, what's another good example? Ah, I got one. We could all keep our house clean and have it just ready to go at any moment for people to walk in the door. And so we stay on top of it, and it's clean always. But we don't do that, do we? No. Everybody has a closet. Everybody has that room where 10 minutes before someone shows up, you just start shoving everything in there, right? You start shoving everything in there. What are you doing? You're taking the easy way out. We know what the easy way out looks like. And here's the deal is, is that our culture has lost its mind. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Our culture has lost its mind. The world is just all over the place. And I believe that a large reason for that is actually this, that in the last 30 years, not saying that every church is like this, but by and large, um, many churches have chosen to take the easy way out. 
And now we're paying for it in our culture today because they didn't stand up. They weren't bold. A lot of these churches chose to entertain their people rather than equip their people for the world. And now we have a whole generation of so-called Christians who grew up in a Christian home, and they have no idea what the Bible says or what they should be standing for or whenever they should be standing against something. Our culture today says to us this. I mean, you, you, you know this. Hey, you can't talk about those things. That's what the culture says to you. You can't talk about these things. You can't do these things. Don't you dare say that men can't get pregnant. Do you all know how wild that sounds? Yeah. That's a re- regular thing, though, where you're, you're not allowed to say that. If you say it, you're going to be canceled. You know, I see a couple of kiddos in the room, so I'm trying to think how to say this. Uh, you can't say that, like, hey, women don't have male extremities, you know? You can't say that marriage is between one man, one woman, under the covenant of God. You can't say those things. Why? Because they'll get you. You'll get canceled. You know, like there will be some sort of repercussion. But I want to encourage you this morning that um, the church shouldn't be worrying about being canceled. We should worry about being faithful. Amen. We should worry about being faithful. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit today. I want you to know that um, this church in particular worries more about being faithful than being canceled because we've had several sermons that got booted offline because we violated community standards, whatever that means because it means whatever they wanted to mean. And with that, something crazy kind of started to happen. Whenever the culture tried to shut it down, but we were bold to speak the truth, we actually started growing as a church, and we grew, and we grew, and we're continuing to grow to the point where we have like 97 services now on a Sunday. (laughs) And we're waiting on a new building so that we can bring it back down a little bit. But... It's really interesting, and, and I think it's um, a noticeable trend if you pay attention or if you read the articles, you, you know the church world, that churches all across the nation right now that are being bold to speak up against culture, saying, and really what it is is speaking the word of God in the places where uh, culture does not line up, saying things that they tell us we're not allowed to say. All of those churches right now are the ones that are growing exponentially because people are like looking for truth and they are the brave enough to stand up and say hey we got the truth and it's not going to hurt our feelings if your feelings are hurt by it because we're actually doing this for a reason which we'll get into here in just a minute but the the church should not be worried about being canceled we should worry about being faithful in real time we're seeing that churches all across the nation who are bold to speak the truth are experiencing people from the left and the right. We could say politically speaking, we could say however you want to say it. They're all coming in because the world is out of its mind and they need a bold church to stand up and say, hey, actually, we have a firm foundation to stand on. Which brings me to the title of this sermon today, Why Bold Churches Are Growing. What I would like to do is kind of recap where we've been over the last couple of weeks. So right now we are in the book of Acts. We're in chapter four. We've been here for um, a couple of weeks now. 
And I just want to kind of like catch us up to the text today. So this is what happened. You have John and Peter, they're followers of Jesus. Jesus died. He was resurrected. And then he commissioned them to go and preach the gospel about who Jesus is and that he was actually the son of God and that we have sinned against the world. And um, I mean that, that we in the world have sinned against God. And so we catch them doing exactly what Jesus told them to do. They, they go and they share the gospel. They preach the gospel about Jesus. And then something crazy happens. There's this guy who stands up basically in the middle of the service that everybody knows because he hasn't been able to walk for 40 years of his life, basically his whole life. And he just stands up in the middle of the service. It's a miracle. Everything's crazy. Like people start losing their minds. And so people start worshiping the Lord. Everybody's like super pumped about it. It's like, oh my God, did you see that? And then the church leaders that were there were like, hold up. This is not how we do things. And so they get upset and they actually take Peter and John and they throw them in prison. They throw them in jail. And then while they're there, they interrogate them. And they're like, how did this happen? And then John looks at Peter because Peter's always the one that like lets them know. Um, And he says, hey, actually what happened was that the man that you crucified actually ended up being the son of God, just like he said he was. And he actually resurrected. We've seen him with our own eyes. And so whenever you ask who this miraculous um, sign, this, this miraculous healing that took place, whose name was that in? That's the man, the man that you did that to. And we're standing right here today. And so how they respond to that is they get a little fussy about it, and then they just let him go. So now they've let him go. And we pick up right here today on what happens after Peter and John are let go. We're going to get to see really like it was preaching. It was a sign and wonder that shows up. There was a retaliation against it because um, people get freaked out whenever God moves. And then we have how the church responds. So we see it right here. And that's where we pick up in Acts 4, 23 through 31. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me there. Um, If not, you can read along with me on the screen. But I would like us all to go ahead and read this together. Not for any spiritual reason, but for some reason, the last service did this with me. And it was like pretty great. It kind of scared me. I, I thought it was an echo going on. So if we would, let's read this together verse by verse, 23 through 31. Y'all ready? Yeah. All right, 23. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. 24. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who, through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the people plot and bang? Verse 26. The king of... And the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. 27. For truly in the city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel. 
to do whatever your hand and your plan have predestined to. And now, look, or Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. 30. When you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Last verse. And when they prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Thank you. So, the reason we're talking about this today is because whenever we look at this church, this is the first church that was birthed out of the resurrection of Jesus. And so we're getting to walk along with this church along the way through the book of Acts. And what's crazy is it started with 120 people, and it's grown, and it's grown, and it's grown to where it's just thousands and thousands of people. And it actually ends up continuing on as we go through Acts, and the church grows so much. You might be like, how much does it grow, Ethan? It grows all the way 2,000 years later to Beaumont, Texas, Redemption Church. And so we see a church that grew dramatically, and we see a very bold church. And so I think there's a correlation between bold churches and growth. When I say growth, that's people being saved and discipled and sending out and doing the same thing over and over again. So this is what I want to do. I want to share six reasons why bold churches are growing. Let's start with number one. Bold churches have strong community. Bold churches have strong community. I think it's so interesting if we look at verse 23 together. It says, when they were released, what did they do? They went to their friends. It's so interesting to me because they're talking about their church. They could have just replaced that word with church. In the New King James Version, it actually says companions. They went to their companions. That's a very tight bond. It's a very tight bond. And I think it's just like really interesting that like they considered the people in their church their friends. So we'll just pause right there for a second. Just hold that idea. Set it on the shelf. And what I want to do right now is I want to give you a really bad analogy to try to catch you up to where we're at and make sure this is coming alive for you. Sound good? All right. So this would be like what's happening right now in, the, in, in chapter 4 is basically like this. It would be like if me and Trevor, y'all saw Trevor hosting earlier, uh, and he preached like two weeks ago. If me and Trevor went to West Virginia, way back out in the backwoods country, and we go to a church there, and we start telling them about our experience with Jesus. And so we're sharing the gospel with them, telling them all about it. And then in the middle of this service, this guy, they're from a small town, so everybody knows everybody. This guy who never walked before, he's like 40 years old, just stands up and starts walking. And you think, oh my God, that's amazing. This is a miracle. And the people would be freaking out. It's like, okay, what do we do from here? Well, we praise God. So we start praising God. And then the religious leader comes in, the, the, the one who's over the church, and they're like, hey, actually... We don't know what the heck is going on because we don't believe in healings and signs and wonders happening today. 
So we don't like this very much. And the sheriff goes to their church. So they just like hit up the sheriff and they're like, our people are getting too crazy. We don't know what's going on. And so they just grab me and Trevor and they just throw us in West Virginia jail. (laughs) Trevor, he's a little too pretty for jail. So y'all pray for him. But his mustache, that could go to jail. You could send his mustache to jail, 100%. So we're in jail, and we're sitting there together, and we're like, who do we blame? <laughs> and, um, and so they start asking us questions. They interrogate us or whatever. So we tell them, like, what's up, you know, like Jesus, praise Jesus. And then they say, okay, well, just don't come back here again, and for sure don't ever talk about about Jesus and this miracle because we need to shut this down because our people are going nuts and this is freaking us out. We feel like we're losing control over this. So we're like, whatever. And then we fly back home, come right back here to Redemption Church. What's the first thing we do? We go in a small group this week. Hey, guess what happened? <laughs> I need to let you know. We're telling our friends exactly what happened. We were, we were out there preaching about Jesus, and then this guy just like stands up, and everybody's like freaking out, and so they start praising the Lord. People are getting saved left and right, and then they throw us in jail, and then so they start going through this whole thing, and that's where we're at right now. I'm trying to open up this text for y'all. That's where we're at right now. They went to their friends. If you have been in redemption for a couple months now, maybe like six months, and you haven't made any friends yet, I just want to let you know that you are doing church wrong. Because church to me and to us is whenever a bunch of friends get together and we come and share our highs and lows of life. We walk with each other and then we worship the Lord in the whole process of it. And then what do you call that? Church. That's what that is to us. And I have some good news for you. I want you to know this, that we've tried to make it very easy for you to make friends here at Redemption Church. I'll give you three ways to do that. And I'm going to prove it to you like this. Raise your hand if you're on a serve team. All right, put it back down. Raise your hand if you made friends on your serve team. Thank you. (laughs) We're going to try this one more time. Raise your hand if you've been in a small group. Raise your hand if you made some really good friends in a small group. Exactly. So you're not on a serve team. You're not in a small group. You ain't got no friends. You ain't doing church right. So you're like, okay, Ethan, well, uh, what, am, what am I supposed to do then? I'm glad you asked. Because <laughs> you're going to Next Steps. And we just happen to have Next Steps today. I know they were talking about it earlier, but at 2 p.m., come hang out with us. You know, go do whatever. Go to the park or whatever you want to do, and then make sure you're back here at 2 p.m. because we're going to talk about where God has brought us from, where we're at right now, where we're going, and how you could be a part of that. We try to make it as easy as possible for you. We don't just do this stuff to do this stuff. We look at things like the book of Acts, and we say, okay, friends are important. We're going to make every opportunity for these people to make friends right here. Get on a serve team. Get in a small group. And you can start off by going to next steps. And one of the reasons that it's so important that bold churches have strong community, and I think it's what makes them bold, is this, that it's, there's just flat-out numbers in strength, yeah. like just easy math. And, um, and where I'm pulling from that is this. We, this was preached on a couple of weeks ago. 
Um, so we started in verse 23. If we jump right above that into verse 21, I want to read that for you guys and just point something out because it stuck out to me just like a sore thumb. I thought it was so cool. It says this. And when they had heard, or, and when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them. Why? Because of the people. Is that not interesting? They had the gall to throw them in prison, to throw them in jail. But then they didn't do anything to them. Why? And they let them go. Why? Because of the people. For all were praising God for what had happened. There is strength in numbers. It is hard for people who are in control to do something whenever there is a united front of people who have one clear vision and are on one journey to praise and worship God together. It makes it real, real difficult. It's just strength in numbers. Both churches have a strong community. Plain and simple, it's just easier to stand firm and bold whenever you don't have to do it alone. And that's how you get a bold church. All right. Well, what's another reason that bold churches are growing? Let's check out verse 24. And when they heard it, they being the church, their friends, heard it because Peter and John just shared with them. So how did they respond to it? And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God. They prayed. Y'all see it? That's right there in front of us. They prayed. Sovereign Lord who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Number two, that bold churches make prayer their first priority. And I got good news for you, Redemption, because you are a part of a bold church where prayer is our first priority. I can prove it to you. We got first Wednesday prayer night this week. Come on. It is in our DNA. We want it to be our first priority. If you want to be bold, prayer needs to be your first priority. You need to learn how to go to the Lord first before you do anything else. That's what this church did. They said, hey, this crazy thing happened to us. You'll never believe it. It's like, that's hard to believe, but we do believe in God. And so we're just going to pray to him right now. And so coming to First Wednesday prayer night is real big because if, I mean, be honest with yourself right now. Is prayer a first priority for you? Because if it's not, the reason I'm saying to come to First Wednesday prayer night is because we are modeling what it looks like to make prayer a first priority. And if you can come and see the model and participate in the model of what it looks like to do that, then prayer can become your first priority in your own life. And then if we all do that, then all of a sudden we're a bold church who all together makes prayer our first priority. And our church is really good at this. But I'll be honest with you. This is where I'm going to like level with you guys. Our church is good at this. I am not good at this. I, some of y'all are going to relate to this. I am actually like really, really bad at like overthinking things. So like I just naturally worry. That's just where the first thing I go to. It's like whenever something's going on, I see something coming from far away. I'm just worrying about it. And I'm thinking about it, and I'm thinking about it, and then I overthink about it some more, and then I take it to another level. This is embarrassing. Instead of talking to God about it, I think 
about what it would be like to talk to God about it. <laughs> and then I don't even know I'm doing it until he lets me know. He'd be like, hey, I'm over here. Why are you looking over there? <laughs> Pretending like you're about to have a conversation with me, but not actually having a conversation with me. Yeah. Prayer should be our first priority. And, and if you relate to me on that, I just want to share something with you. This is Luke out of Luke 12, 25, it says this, and which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? You're wasting your time. Ugh, that hurts. Because everything in me says, hey, you need to worry and like, think about this and try to make it happen. It's like, ah, it's not doing you any good. If anything, it's like taken away out of your lifespan, right? Stress will do that. So whether it's something good, whether it's something bad, we should always make prayer our first priority. Prayer, and I'll tell you why. It's because prayer is the pause that moves us forward. If you think about it like that, that's why it comes first, because it's the pause that moves us forward. When we make prayer our first priority, it unlocks the gifts of heaven over our lives. Prayer is inviting the Holy Spirit in, not to save you, but to lead you and guide you and your actions and your heart through whatever is in front of you. And I'll let you know this. He's actually very interested in you, which is why you should go to him. And I can prove it. It's because he gave his son Jesus as a sacrifice. Not so that you could be saved, but so that you would even have a chance to be saved, so that you could be in relationship with him if you choose to do do it. That sounds like someone who's making a big investment. So here's my question is when you have access to the creator of the universe, why wouldn't you want his input in your life? Don't go to him last. Go to him first. You want to be bold? Make prayer the first priority, and we can be a bold church together. Number three, bold churches remember what God has done. Y'all, this is a good point right here. Remember what God has done. It's always important whenever you're reading through scripture, not to just pay attention to what the Bible's, uh, what the people in the Bible are doing, but when people are doing it, so at this point they're praying, and they're praying first before they do anything else, but how they are doing it. So what are they praying for? How are they praying? And we see right here, we're going to take a look at it together at verse 24, they're actually reminding themselves of what God has done. And they're referring back to other scriptures about what God has done. Verse 24, let's, let's read it. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage? And the people's what? Plot in vain. vain. And the kings of the earth set themselves and rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. It is so important whenever things come up against your life, whether it's an adversity, obstacle, a person, a thing, whatever it might be, whenever this situation comes up against you, you need to know this that we have something that the rest of the world doesn't have. We got receipts. Like, okay, Ethan, what does that mean? We got receipts. Well, we can pull up and remember 
exactly what God has brought us through to remind us that he can bring us through this too. What I want you to do right now is turn to your neighbor and say, check your receipts. Y'all don't mean that. Y'all don't mean that. Hey, I'm going to have to get y'all cut over with me. Say, check your receipts. You got to check your receipts whenever this happens because I remember whenever God showed up in my life in the loneliest time, whenever I had no friends, he was the one who stood by my side. I remember that. Do you remember that? Do you remember whenever it was just you against the world and the world was telling you, give up. There's no more for you. But I remember whenever God showed up and he said, you actually have a hope and a future set before you. This is worth fighting for. Do you remember God getting you through that financial hardship? Do you remember God getting you through that toxic relationship? Do you remember that divorce that you never asked for and you thought it was going to destroy you? But guess what? You're standing here today. Do you remember these things? Check your receipts. Do you remember whenever the lies and the gossip that was surrounding your name was everywhere you looked and you didn't know who was safe to turn to? And God brought you out of that. Do you remember that person that you cannot forgive because they hurt you so badly? And then somehow God changed your heart and you were able to forgive them. Check your receipts. Bold churches remind, remember that what God has done for them. Bold churches remember what God has done for them. Church, we got receipts. I can prove it to you. We have receipts. This right here, the Bible, is one big receipt for your proof of purchase. Whenever I read this Bible, I can look back at the receipts and see what God has done. I remember what God did for Abraham. I remember what God did for Noah. I remember what God did for Moses. I remember what God did for David. And most importantly, I remember what God did for me by purchasing me on that cross. His blood was poured out. His body was broken. Why? So that I could be set free to buy my freedom, to buy my freedom. I remember it. Check your receipts. It's right here. The proof of purchase is right in front of you. You just have to check your receipts. You have to remember what God has done for you. And you know what, church? If he did it for them, he can do it for you. If he did it back then, he can do it right now. Do not forget. Do not forget. Remember what God has done for you. Bold churches remember what God has done. Number four, bold churches know God can't be surprised. Let's read verse 27. For truly in the city there, there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, everybody wanted to kill Jesus. They were there on their own accord, or so they thought, verse 28, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. There's a lot of things in here. Number one being that the culture of the world has always been opposed to Jesus and the church. And guess what? This ain't nothing new to him. And he 
is ultimately in control of all of this. He said, hey, all these people came to kill your son. But what they didn't know is that you sent your son to be killed. Here's the deal. Ain't nobody catching God off guard. Somebody say, ain't nobody. Ain't nobody catching God off guard. Jesus wasn't surprised whenever Judas betrayed him. He knew it was coming. He, told, he was even ominous with it. He like told his disciples, he was like, someone in here is going to betray me. But you know what he did? He let them sit at his table anyway, and they ate together. You're not going to catch him off guard because you can't catch God off guard. Both churches know that God can't be surprised. I'm, I'm going to share a story with you. So um, I don't remember which hurricane it was because it was like... 50 of them, you know, in the last 20 years. But one hurricane actually flooded our house. And it's really interesting whenever you have um, your house being filled with water because uh, you might not think about this until something like this happens, but, but really it's like, a, it's like a sanctuary. It's like a safe place. And you don't imagine anything happening inside of there. And so whenever you think that you have this thing that's going to protect you, but water is coming up through it, coming to destroy everything in your home and everything that your family has, things get real weird. It kind of changes your perspective a little bit. And so with that, we're walking around trying to figure out what's going on, right? Luckily, we had it upstairs. So as we saw the water coming in, my whole family, me, my dad, my mom, my sister, we're all just like running around, not talking to each other. We're just running around, grabbing everything we can and trying to bring it upstairs. But then there was this like tipping point, right, where the water got too high and now it was getting to everything. And so we didn't know what to do. So us picking stuff up and bringing it upstairs kind of turned into making those same paths throughout the house, but we were just kind of like walking because there wasn't anything to do because everything was getting destroyed already. It's real weird because there's no control there. And I remember specifically being in that moment, feeling like I needed to do something. There was nothing for me to do. And I remember my mom and my sister, because we'd be crossing paths because we were, you know, the same hallway or whatever, trying to get to different places. And I remember it was like it was in slow motion. I could see their faces just distraught because we're watching our house that was supposed to be our protection, just get destroyed. It was like, what do we do? And I could feel that. I could feel it from them. What do we do, Ethan? How can we get out of this? How can we move forward past it? How can we save our stuff? And the Lord reminded me in that moment, whenever I wanted to be able to give him an answer and I couldn't, he reminded me in that moment. And I, I, I grabbed my mom's sweet face. And I was like, hey, God is not surprised that there's water coming in our house right now. He did not see our house start flooding and think, oh my, me, how am I going to save the Berwicks? How am I going to bring the Berwicks out of this? I don't know what to do. I never would have thought about this happening, but this happened. You cannot surprise God. And oftentimes the obstacles and adversity that's like right in front of us, because it's right in front of us, We can't see with our perspective how big God is right behind it. And so oftentimes what we need to do is remind ourselves and then also have friend groups like a community in a church whenever you can't see it to remind you 
of who God is and that he can't be surprised. And ultimately, he is the one in control. Basically, I would say this. You need to be able to take your eyes off of your situation and put them on your Savior. Bold churches know that God cannot be surprised. So bold churches, they, they have friends. They pray together. They make it a priority. They remember what God has done. And they remind themselves that God cannot be surprised and how big he is. Now, here's the question. What do they actually pray for? Because this is a serious situation. Their leaders were just thrown in jail. And miraculously, they were let go. How do you respond? The answer is so challenging and convicting to me. This is what these people pray for. Verse 29. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant your servants to continue to speak the word with all boldness when you stretch out your hands to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. This is number five. Bold churches pray for boldness to speak the truth. It is so fascinating to me and convicting to me that whenever this took place, what they chose to do was not pray for protection. They didn't pray that their enemies would be shot down by lightning. You know, that's what they did in the Old Testament. <laughs> they were just, Lord, send that fire right there on that mountain. <laughs> we're in the New Testament, though. They didn't do those things. What was in their spirit that was being led to pray for? Yeah. It was that they would be bold to continue to do the same thing they were getting in trouble for. Speak the truth. And here's the fact is that that was a scary situation. So they had to pray for the boldness. And my Bible, in in the middle of each page, every Bible is a little bit different, but in mine, there's a little reference. You might have something like this uh, in between the columns that kind of has like a reference um, for particular verses that like kind of like callbacks to other things in that same book. So for me, when I was looking at verse 29, there was a callback to Acts 4.13. So this is much earlier in the text, something we preached on a couple of weeks ago. Verse 13, it says this. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. It is important to pray for boldness. Why? Because boldness from the Holy Spirit is a mirror of Jesus to the lost. They were like, these men are uneducated, unqualified, should not know what they're talking about. And yet we can look at them right now and know they've been with Jesus. It takes boldness to let people know that that Jesus, whom you crucified, whom you sinned against, was actually raised up from the dead. He was the son of God. And through him alone, you can receive salvation and forgiveness for your sins. It takes boldness to say things like, you will not find your salvation in your politics. 
you will not find your salvation in your legislation and in your government. You just won't. You won't find salvation in your spouse or in your kids. You won't find your salvation in your sexuality, which is exactly what our culture is trying to do. You won't find salvation in your good works. You will only find salvation by faith through grace in Jesus' name. So confess your sins and believe that Jesus is Lord. That's what the truth is. That's what the truth is that they're praying for boldness to preach. And here's the deal, is that culture is lying to a whole generation, telling them that there's only two responses to their sin. Because here's the other deal, is that everybody knows that there's something wrong with them, with themselves. And, that's, and what it is, is, is sin. And so they say, hey, there's two responses to it. We don't want you to hide it. Or if you're not going to hide it, we want you to do the perversion of confession, which is what we're called to do. And we want you to celebrate it. We want you to hide it or you, we want you to celebrate it. But bold churches all around this nation are standing up and letting the world know that there is a third option. And the third option is to repent from your sins. You don't have to be ruled by your sin anymore. You can find freedom in Jesus. But what you have to do is confess it with your mouth and believe that Jesus can cover that sin. And believe that he can be Lord over your life. And through that, you can be made a new creation in Christ Jesus. Bold churches pray for boldness to speak the truth. And those who are lost all around are flocking to the bold churches that are speaking up. Why? Because there's only one firm foundation left. The world is finding out that wherever they put their feet, they are falling. And it's because there's only one truth, and that is that Jesus is Lord. Now, I do want to give you a a caveat. So speaking about truth with boldness, I need you to know that being bold without the Holy Spirit is just being a jerk. (laughs) Raise your hand if you, no. (laughs) The gospel is offensive enough on its own. It doesn't need your help because it's attacking people's false idols where they are worshiping these false gods. People might hate us because of Jesus, but they should not hate Jesus because of us. And some of y'all on Facebook need to chill out. Because you're going too far and you're going too hard and you're doing it out of a spirit of frustration or, a, or anger or just wanting to be right, wanting to prove other people wrong. That's not love. You know you can say something that's true and still be sinning against God? It's our job to share the truth boldly and stand up for the truth. And it's also our job to walk with people through the process of experiencing life change through Jesus. That also takes boldness. And we do that out of love. So we shouldn't speak the truth for any other reason than that we love these people. And we understand that they are lost and we are calling them home. 
and to protect those who cannot be protected or who cannot protect themselves. So bold churches pray for boldness to preach the truth and speak the truth, no matter what the consequences are. All right, let's keep moving. This is the sixth reason and the final reason for today why bold churches are growing right now. Bold churches are filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Here's the deal. The Holy Spirit is the secret sauce of a bold church. If you don't have the Holy Spirit and the church feels bold, that's a mean church. (laughs) But we know that the Holy Spirit and bold churches know that the Holy Spirit is to fill us so that we can go and do the work of the ministry. You do not have to face the world alone. Jesus said that he would be with us always to the end of the age. Whenever we are coming and going and making disciples of all nations. And the way that he does that is through the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, who comes to live inside of you whenever you give your life to the Lord. And it doesn't have to be a big woo-woo thing. It's just what it is. You don't have to face the world alone. And I want you to know that your flesh might be, might be uh, fearful of the world and the world with whatever they're throwing at you to try to stop you from speaking the truth, but the Holy Spirit can give you the strength and the boldness to stand up and speak the truth when no one around you is standing. It is time for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that you can be in boldness. It is ridiculous for you to be me, 30 years old. I got a wife and a cat. It should not matter to me what Joey from San Francisco has to say online. (laughs) Get out of here. (laughs) If me and my wife are good, (laughs) I don't care what you say. (laughs) But part of that is because I'm filled with the Holy Spirit and I know what God has called me to. And the same thing goes for you. And so This is what I would say to you. Redemption Church will not take the easy way out. We will stand up and preach the word of God with boldness. We will also, which is confusing to people, love those people who are lost with boldness in a way that confuses the world. And I kind of want to end with this. What makes a bold church a bold church is that bold people come together and make up the church. Does that make sense to you? So whenever we're talking about all of these things that bold churches are growing because, it's because they're creating more bold people. And so we want to be those people. And so this is what I want to leave you with today as you you go throughout your week. I want you to look at this and, and internalize it for you. Here's my question to you. Number one. 
Both churches have strong community. Do you have strong community? Because I can promise you that there's a strong community built right here and we're telling you how to jump in with it. You can be in strong community. If you're not, good luck on being both. Both churches make prayer their first priority. Is prayer your first priority? You ain't got a lot of me. You'd be lying to yourself. Figure it out. Ask yourself those questions. And if that's the case, then make prayer your first priority. And the first step you could take to do that is come to First Wednesday Prayer Night, 7 p.m., right here. Bold churches remember what God has done. Do you remember in the face of adversity what God has done for you? And then another equally important question is, have you surrounded yourself with people that whenever you come up against adversity and opposition, that they remind you what God has done for you? There ain't nothing better than that. There's nothing better than that. Bold churches know that God can't be surprised. Where's your perspective at right now? Because your perspective should be on that we serve a big God who is bigger than any situation or circumstance that we could come against. Bold churches pray for boldness to speak the truth. Are you scared to speak the truth? Have you prayed for boldness to speak the truth? Regardless of what social media says, regardless of what your friends say, regardless of what your job says, because remember, God is in control. And if you are doing his will, he will move you forward. No matter what it is. And then last but not least, and the most important, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Does the Spirit of God live inside of you? Because that's the only way that you can be bold for God. Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is the one who changes people's lives. You cannot change people's lives. The church cannot change people's lives. But whenever we're filled with the Holy Spirit, He speaks through us. He works through us in the way that we love and talk to people. And He changes their lives. Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? And if you don't even know what that means, I want you to know that first Wednesday prayer night, we've been talking and teaching on the Holy Spirit. And then secondly, um, if, you want, if you want to experience that, then we're gonna have a prayer team come up here in just a moment. You don't have to be weird. Just come up and say, hey, I see the, the need for the Holy Spirit. We wanna take hold of this. I wanna take hold of this in my life right now. Will you pray with me? So church, let's do this. Let's be like Peter and John in that first church in the book of Acts because they were bold and the entire world changed. If we are bold, Beaumont and all of our surrounding cities will change and they have been changing and they will continue to change if we continue to be bold.